welcome to Casting a Vision. I'm your host, Lindsay Chepkema. I'm a B2B marketer turned first-time CEO and founder at an incredibly fast-growing marketing technology SaaS company called Casted. I'm nearly three years into this role, and you know what continues to be the most important part of my job, and, and really to the entire company as a whole? People, humans. Our people here at Casted are the best, the best, truly the best. You'll have to fight me if you disagree because I really, really love this team. They are awesome. They're talented. They're smart and fun and so caring. You won't find a better bunch of humans. You just, you won't. And that absolutely proved to be true, especially over the last couple of years as we have worked together through this pandemic. This team has shown up for each other. They have been authentic, they have been creative and collaborative as we have sailed through uncertainty after uncertainty, as I know you have too. There is nothing more important than our team and our culture. And honestly, it's been, it's been a challenge to intentionally scale that culture as we've grown. That's why I was so excited and so geeked out when Steven Shedletsky agreed to join me and all of you for today's show. As you will hear, he is a wealth of wisdom and research about teams, cultures, human collaboration. He is incredible. And I really just love talking to him. And I think that you will enjoy our conversation too. I am so excited to have you here today. Um, we met and had this amazing conversation about culture and leadership and teams, obviously, because that's your jam and, and you are the person to talk to about all of those things. Um, and, I love to, and I love to talk about those things. So, so let's, uh, I asked you to come on the show to kind of continue that conversation selfishly because I would like to, but also to let um, anyone else uh, who cares to watch or listen in on that conversation too. So, um, so one thing that I would love to do is go back, just, just jump right in to mm -hmm. the conversation that, or the question that I asked you that I'm so glad I did because your answer blew my mind and has since spurred like how we at Casted are looking at how we, how we work together as a leadership team to start with, um, ongoing as a team and, and how we look at goals and communication. I mean, it, it's, it's safe to say that it's like at the start of kind of changing everything. And it was all just with the way that you answered one question, which was, uh Oh, pressure's gone. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting faints of like CEO takes, you know, cross country flight, reads a book and changes everything. Like, right? Oh. Yes. No, it's, and it, it, it's funny because everyone that I've said, I've, I've mentioned to is like, Oh, that's good. Okay, good. So, okay. I'm just going to keep building this up. Um, before talking to you, I had some conversations about, like, hey, you know, autonomy is is hugely important at Casted. It's it's important to a lot of people. Um, yep. It's really important to us here. We use the word a lot. We want people to feel free to do what they feel like they need to do and they want to do. We bring people in because we trust them. There's a lot of trust. There's a lot of, of um, autonomy along with collaboration. The two should go together. But how do you balance that? Because we've also had conversations around we've got to have accountability and yeah. people need to be accountable to what they say they're going to do. And, and we have goals, you know, who owns what and how we're going to do this stuff. So how, what I asked you is how do you balance accountability and autonomy? Yeah. How do you, how do you have both? 
To which you said, let's see if you remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you, do you want to say what I said or do you want me to, is, is that my cue? That's your cue. So, so let's have some fun here. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that autonomy without accountability can breed chaos. Mm-hmm. Too much accountability without autonomy is more akin to command and control, which has zero empowerment, zero creativity, low motivation, yikes, not mm-hmm. a fun place to work and good luck retaining your people, let alone getting great ideas and productivity from and with them. Right. And so um, we know from you know Dan Pink's work with Drive upon which he built upon other work, autonomy um, is hugely important. Like we all want it. There's a huge link between autonomy and happiness and fulfillment. Um, it's why, you know, Google, I'm not sure they, they still do it, but I know Google with their engineers, if not all employees allowed everyone to choose for 20% of their time, they could work on anything, which is like one day a week. Yeah. It's like, woo. Yeah, that is. Yeah. It's like, if if you're working 40 hours, no, 20% is one day a week. Um, uh, math, we can edit that out. Um, (laughs) don't, uh, I didn't think about it before I opened my mouth and said it. So yeah. Yeah. So, math. I'm I, I'm allergic to a balance sheet. So, um, so so uh, how so? Uh, however, I I think the thing that I said to you was when I talk about accountability, I talk about it as agreements. Mm, say that word again. Accountability as agreements. I love it, and I also love it that the three words there's alliteration, which makes it even better. Autonomy, so yeah. Things alliteration, yes. accountability, autonomy, agreements. Yes, and 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 the reason I call it agreements, it was born from personally. I, I'm not a very good or easy employee. Hmm. I'm not particularly good with authority. Um, and that's because my my Gretchen Rubin for tendency style is rebel, which is you can't make me do it and neither can I. I can be wonderfully productive, but I can't predict when it's going to happen. And it just grinds my gears personally when I get assigned work from a peer or a senior leader without the benefit of having a conversation. And is it cumbersome? And does it take more time? Yeah but does it lead to a better outcome and alignment and agreement and motivation and buy-in? Yes. And so I literally, I trained my leaders that they would never assign work to me without first having a conversation with me or at least saying, hey, I sent this your way, but this is what it is. Let's have a conversation. Because I think there's nothing worse. Well, there are things worse, but it's a, a bad experience Um, whether it's one-on-one and even worse when it's in a public group setting saying this needs to be done, Lindsay's going to do it. And it's like, do you have any idea of what's on my plate? Do you have any idea what's going on in my life? I have three kids and there's a, there's a, there's a pandemic. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. I'm going to do that. And so, (laughs) or maybe I don't want to, or I have a better idea for something else I could do, or somebody else could do it better or yeah. So many. Yeah. So the, so the little nugget that I said that I'm, I'm very interested to see what you've done with is um, I do not believe that accountability is assigned. Accountability is agreed upon. Yes, yes. And the reason that blew my mind is because, thank you for sharing your thoughts about how that lands with you. But like, 
you are, you're not unique in that way. I mean, everyone, whether you are the opposite and it's like, oh yeah, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Like, I want those people to be nudged to think beyond what's assigned to them too, right? So it fits with everyone. It gets everyone thinking more creatively, more strategically, more collaboratively. And so that's one great part of it. Because we're, because we're, we're not drones or robots, we're human yeah. beings. And even if you are someone who does like, tell me what to do and I'll do it, you still have ideas and you right. still have. So that's, yes, I agree with that. Love that. And they should be drawn out. You agree. You agree. We agree. Um, we have an agreement. And, and another one is um, agreements automatically uh, imply or suggest or assume um, two way. Right. Yeah. So Consensus. if I agree on something like there's a two way agreement. And so I love that too. It's collaborative. Um, it's not an assignment, but it's like, Hey, if I'm going to agree to do this, here's what I need from you. And so what we've done here, what we're doing, it's, there's, um, it's funny. I, I talked to one person on the team about it and they went and like looked for a framework and I was like, no, this doesn't like, this was literally a conversation. Um, it should be a framework, but let's, let's like, fit, let's figure it out. Let's make and, it one. Um, yeah, let's make one. And so what we've done, it's funny, I'm looking at my whiteboard with like notes about it, is um, I broke down areas of ownership in the company that I, just just me as the CEO, want to make sure there's an owner, right? Like I need an owner. I need to be able to say, hey, Shed, how is pipeline, right? Because because we agree that you, you own it. Yeah, um, yeah. And so just starting there, I'm being like, I don't know if those are the right place to start or not, but let's start there. And we've talked about making agreements about like, okay, who's taking yeah. ownership of these areas and we already have goals. So it's like, are you agreeing to take on this goal or do we need to talk about what that looks like? And then in, in return, what do you need? What do you need from me? What do you need yeah. from the rest of the team? What do you need from others? Because just because you're take, you're agreeing to take ownership of something, that doesn't mean it's yours alone. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's solely yours. It just means that at the end of the day, like I'm taking ownership but I need this person or this entire team, or I need these resources, or yes, I will take ownership, but I'm agreeing to basically provide reporting on this thing, but it's something that the whole team owns or this, you know, this whole group owns. Yep. So that's where we're starting. It's very nice. brand new, um, but it's, it's, there's something there. And everyone that we talked to, everyone that hears the word agreement is just like, Yes. I think <laughs> that I, I the, the term accountability has a negative connotation to it. It does. Mm-hmm. And I love the word. I, I love the word agreement because it denotes relationship. Mm-hmm. And I love the word ownership because because it makes me think of like you can own a car, but there are passengers or other drivers. Yeah. You can own a house, but there are other uh inhabitants of that house which denotes team and and distributed and multidisciplinary and we depend upon each other you know Mm -hmm. which is which is human so i think that's a good i think that's a great place to start and and agreement to me denotes um consensus and motivation Mm -hmm. um i think i think you and i spoke about as well in our last conversation about you know i i think management gets a bad rap Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I used to be one of, I used to be a person who, uh, uh, can I swear on this show? Go for it. I used to be a person who would shit on management. Like, 
we want leaders, leaders, not managers. Well, it's mm-hmm. like, how many people do you know who have the title manager? Many. Yeah. And so we need managers. We depend upon them. Managers are the only people in an, or- an organization who can influence up, influence side to side and influence down, the only. So mm-hmm. they have they have multi, multi-influence mm-hmm. or multi-directional influence. Yeah. Um, and then uh, who are the people in organizations that are driving um, autonomy and driving agreements um, and ownership? It's leaders and it's managers. Um, and so I think the most important meeting a manager can have every week is their one-on-ones with their direct reports. Yeah. And I don't think any one manager should have more than five to seven direct reports tops. Mm-hmm. If you have more than that, like good luck to you getting your own work done, let alone supporting your people, which is your job. Yeah. Um, and the most important meeting you can have is your meetings with your direct reports, because that's when you review your agreements. Yes. This is what we agreed upon last week. Where are we with it? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like the statement, you know, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions that breeds a lack of psychological safety and speak up culture. But I think it's fair for a manager or leader to say, um, uh, bad news never gets better with time. Yes. So we're meeting on Tuesday. Um, first of all, how are you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's up? Tell me what's going on. I know you have three kids and there's a pandemic. How's their school going? Stuff that impacts them as a human being and how they show up as a human being to work. Um, Here's what we agreed upon that you would do last week. We didn't touch in between, touch base in between last week and this week. So I assume you're on track. Yeah. And if you're not on track, I shouldn't find out about that in a week. I should find out about that on Friday so that I can work with you to help you remove obstacles, think about things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's fair to, to say, as soon as you have bad news, try to solve it, see if you can, but ask for help. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and, and if we get to our next one-on-one and there's disagreement in our agreement, yeah. <laughs> we have an issue yeah. and like, come to me sooner, or how can we help you solve this with or without me? Yes. I, I couldn't agree more. You said the magic words, speak up culture which I know is something, I don't know. Those are words that mean something to you. They do. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about those words and what mm-hmm. you're working on. And then I really want to dig into all of it. There's so, I'm so excited about it. Cool. Um, so speak up culture is the working title of the book I'm writing right now and working on right now. Um, yeah. It's scheduled to come out as of now in the fall of 2023 um, and the working subtitle. So the, so the working title on the whole is speak up culture. Um, when leaders truly listen, people step up and it's about the responsibility and the opportunity for leaders to foster a culture, a human environment in which people are psychologically safe. I don't love the term psychological safety, though I love and respect the work and Amy Edmondson's work on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't love the term only because I feel as though we put on a white lab coat as we talk about human emotions. It feels very clinical. It's too (laughs) clinical. And like she has a book called Fearless Organization. I don't love the word fearless because no, there's no such thing. Um, You know, there's no leader who is fearless. Leaders feel the fear and find something more important to embrace it, have the courage and do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and it's very funny because her 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 book is like a very um uh hospital white tone in the in the background it's 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 sterile and like psychological safety is so human and it's messy yeah. um and so uh um psychological safety however um uh is a a a prerequisite to having a speak up culture mm-hmm. Psychological safety is the input to get you the output of a speak-up culture. Mm. And, and what a speak-up culture is and looks like is one in which there's psychological safety, where people feel safe to raise their hand and share their ideas without fear of being ridiculed, um, uh, without fear of being punished, to share their concerns. Like, I don't think this is going to work. I have concern about our, our strategy. I'm not trained for the job that I have. Yeah. And not be punished or fired or reprimanded or ignored. Because mm-hmm. as soon as you do those things, you breed a culture in which people are never going to bring you bad news again. Because yeah. well, look, look what happened to, to Joe, Sally, and Nancy. Yeah. Um, and as well, a speak-up culture is one in which people can even uh, dissent, can mm-hmm. disagree. Yep. And it's treated with thank you, respect. Yep. Um, there's two components I've learned about a speak-up culture which is encourage and reward. Mm. And, 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 they're, and they're cyclical. Yeah. Um, so you join a culture and is it rewarded to speak up? Um, when people do it, what happens? How do you do it? Do you mm-hmm. do it in, in big public meetings, which in some cultures uh, that's accepted? And in other cultures, it's like, no, you, you start and do that in a one-on-one or small group meeting and then we take it to the masses. Um, or we just don't do it which means uh, leaders who do not listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say, which is a quote from, from Andy Stanley. Yeah. Um, and and uh, you know, I, 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 another quote, which is indicative of not having psychological safety and not having a speak up culture comes from Tim McClure, which is the biggest concern for an organization should be when it's most passionate people become silent. Mm, so true. So and so, true. and so I'm, I'm studying and unpacking um, examples that we all know of and examples from my own experiences and examples with clients where there is a speak up culture and where there isn't. And the fact is a speak up culture is good for business. Um, and, and when you don't have it, you either miss opportunities, you can fail bankruptcy, um, or there can be disaster. Uh, and in the case of the challenger disaster with NASA, uh, or the Boeing 737 max eight, disaster, which are documented speak up culture issues, people die. Hmm. Um, And for, for any leader sitting here being like, well, like, you know, I don't work for NASA, Boeing, or I'm not a heart surgeon. Like if I don't do my job, people don't, don't die. I regret to inform you that as a leader, your relationship with your direct reports has more of an impact on their health than that of the relationship with their family doctor, which is a fact from Gallup. And so regardless of your industry, if you, wherever you work, if you're in a role of leadership, you have an impact on the people's health of whom you lead. So it is life or death uh, business. Sorry, not sorry. It's, it's so true. And it's, it's so important that you're saying that, and we'll be saying that louder over the next year, progressively, I'm sure, because it's true. And all you need to do is, is take a hot second and think about the places you've worked, good and bad. And I have had very, very profound, very tangible, um, negative, physical, 
um, consequences of the places that I've worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also had some really, really, really great, you know, things. And, and I think something else that I think that you mentioned, um, along the way was the further that you or, or a leader in general gets away from that, whether your own experiences and, and, or the experiences of those in your organization, the larger your organization gets, the, the further you get away from, from kind of being a part of that, that small group and, and the bigger the team gets, yeah. the more isolated you get. And the more, I think the easier it is to say, well, that's not me. That's not us. That's not here. It's yeah. fine. But you, you really do have a, a huge influence over the, the lives that, of the, of the people that the work at your company, I mean, business is human. It's, yep. we're all people doing things for and with people. Yep. And, you know, we're, we're thinking, feeling beings moving around doing things. And um, yeah, it's, yep. it's the most important thing. Well, if, yeah, if, if, if you're, if you're, if you're anyone, whether you're in a position of leadership or not, who says it's not personal, it's business. You mm. don't understand business. It it's not, that doesn't make sense. No, um, business is personal mm-hmm. um, and it involves human beings uh, and it involves human emotion. Um, and so for anyone who says it's not personal, it's business, I regret to inform you, you're likely an asshole. Um, uh, uh, and I call that <laughs> leadership. Um, the, and and the, the two things you're touching on are two leadership truths, which is a whisper is a shout. Um, and the more senior you get, the further away you can get from the truth, mm. um, which means ha- having a speak up culture is, is also leaders who, who cultivate. Um, I, I might call it listen down, but it, it sounds a little bit yep, pe- I get it. pejorative um, mm-hmm. or, or sort of patriarchal. But, um, uh, you know, one of the questions I, I often get is like, oh, OK, great. I understand this, this speak up culture, but how do you get people to do it? Mm. It's like, well, no leader can expect anyone to do something that they aren't willing to do themselves first. So you have to be transparent. You have to ask questions. You have to be curious. You have to listen. Um, And you have to listen with compassion. I can teach you how to be a better listener. I can't teach you how to become more compassionate. That you have to want to go on and develop yourself. That's not a skill. That's an attribute. Yeah. Um, But yeah. I think you really have to, you, you have to start there. And listen, I was actually talking to somebody um, yesterday about somebody was asking me about like, Oh, and the CEO role and you're doing this now. And I was like, yeah, but listen, I, I have the, anyone in this seat, whether your company's very, very small or very large, when you're in the CEO role, you have the, the privilege and the responsibility to be like, okay, it starts with me. Mm-hmm. I've also been in roles where I was in middle management or I was leading a very small team or I was just leading my own little project. And it's, it's perception. The perception is it's a lot harder because it's like, okay, I have this, the, the people up here just don't get it. They're never going to do it. But like, the impact that it made when either I or a leader that I, I worked for or with said, okay, but it starts with me and I'm going to make the impact that I can. It, it does make a difference. And you do, when you, when you say it's going to start here, I'm going to listen, I'm going to be compassionate. I'm going to make that the first thing that I do. Like the, how are you truly is a question that I want to know the answer to Yeah, and have that be everything that's done. And, and, and like, even if you're not okay, or you're not okay with me, or, you know, we have to talk about something tough that's the most important thing. And I, I think quite often leaders that have the ability to make that difference forget that it has to start with them. It can't be an initiative that somebody else leads. Um, and it also can't be something that you have to go fight your way up to make somebody at the top do it first. It has to start 
it just has to start with you. And you, you, it's one of those things you have to lead by example. People have to feel safe to, to have those conversations, have those tough conversations. And that's, I mean, at Casted, that's the three of us as, as co-founders, we had some very tough conversations and made it very safe in the earliest days. And then, you know, we talk about it all the time and um, yeah. yeah, you have to live. And, and, and leadership and culture and, and humanity, we're not good at scale. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're a, when you're a, a founding group, it's a lot easier to do it amongst each other and to get a pulse on how it feels. But, you know, something happens and all of a sudden you're 15 people and then something happens and all of a sudden you're 30 and then 60. Like it just, it, it morphs and it changes, particularly when, and especially once you hit that 150, which is Dunbar's number, mm-hmm. right? which is the number of, uh, on average, we can maintain 150 stable social relationships, which is no coincidence, because if you look at our wiring, the origin of our species, we lived in communities of 100 to 150 people. Hmm, um, so we we haven't evolved. Um, and, and so there's no scaling leadership. There's only growing and developing leaders and a, and, and a chain of leaders. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the number of executive leadership teams that I've worked with that are high trust and high performance, many, I've also worked with many that are not high trust and not high performance, <laughs> but the, but the great ones know that we work very hard as an executive leadership team on high trust and high performance, not for free. We develop each other and we do these programs and we do all this work and all these offsites and all this such that you do this with your teams yeah. and such that your teams do this with their teams. And mm-hmm. only when we do that do the most junior people in the organization feel as though they're well-led and have top cover. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's no mistake that every single leadership development program that's ever existed always starts with a module on leading self. Mm-hmm. Like leaders have to understand their own machinery, their own wiring before they can be decently good at at helping others and lead it, leading others mm-hmm. uh, and, to, and to differentiate between the golden rule versus the platinum rule right? Golden rule, we're all taught, do unto others as you would want done unto yourself. No, 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 no. Platinum rule, right? Which, which, which has empathy and compassion, which is treat others the way they wish to be treated, which requires awareness. And, you know, me taking the time to understand what are Lindsay's preferences. Yeah. And, and, you know, I I, I like it this way, but that doesn't mean that she's going to like feedback or agreements or accountability or mm-hmm. working style. Public recognition or, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, yes. Public recognition versus a meaningful handwritten note, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. There's, a, there's, there's a definition of leadership from a, a three-star retired Marine General, George Flynn, who says leadership is asking people how they're doing and genuinely caring to hear the answer. And the other thing of which I've learned much and many from the U.S. Marines, as well as many other um, uh, military forces is the Marines have a standard that if you lead someone, the rule is you must have affection toward the person that you lead. Yes. Yes. Which I love. I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to cut you off. Well, it, it just means um, affection in the sense of I see strength, value, and genius in you. Yeah. If I cannot see that in, in someone I'm supposed to lead, I am not fit to lead them which means they still may be wonderful mm-hmm. or have value to bring and fit and add to the culture uh, and the values of the organization, but just not under my watch because it just, it doesn't work, yeah. which you is fine and normal. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you both have to care and you have to see merit and value 
in the mm-hmm. people in your span of care. Yeah. Um, and I think the first line of defense, I've heard so many examples of organizations who let people go because of tension between a leader and someone on, on their team, but they're great. And if they just worked for somebody else, yeah, it would work. Yeah. And you see that happening too, is that somebody is a, a top performer or low or a low performer, and then they go somewhere else and it's, it's vice versa because, yeah. you know, context and leadership is, is everything. It's so important. Yeah. And, in you know, we, we have the trust and performance matrix, which is, you know, high trust, high performance, low trust, low, low performance, and everything in between, but we aren't doomed and stuck in the box that, that we're in or yeah. doomed or the opposite of doomed. Yeah. You, you know? can't assume you're going to stay there. No, I, and, and I've, I've been all over the spectrum based on the role, the team, the leader, the nature of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, there are times when I've been high trust and high performance. There are times when I've been low trust and low performance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not that I'd agree with it. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just the context wasn't right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And what I got so excited about is, um, so my my best friend Benet Brown, she just doesn't know that we're best friends, yeah. but we are. Yeah. Um, she will. She will. Yeah, she she loves me. Um, yeah. You just got to work on your pickleball game, and then you. Can yeah, start. yeah, I gotta I gotta figure that out. I, I should probably like even like hold a pickleball like you know racket at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's a good first step. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Um, she said something. Some of the research was about like the word love. If you go back into like, is it? I think it was the Marines. And you went back to like, she was researching some of the, the pamphlets and stuff from like the 1920s and thirties. And like love was all over it. It was like, you lead with love. You have to actually love the people that you're leading. And then we've, we've washed it away because yeah. love is this touchy feely, romantic, um, just fantastical, fluffy word that doesn't belong, that certainly doesn't belong in business and absolutely doesn't belong in the military, but it's like you said, you have to have affection and you have to care about the people that you're with. If you're going to do big things, if you're going to overcome challenges, if you're going to do something as tough as what the Marines do, you, there has to be courage and vulnerability and love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a shortcoming of the English language, which is we we only have one word for it. But if you look in different languages, like in Italian, or I'm sure Latin and many others, there's like tons of words that just that describe different forms of love. And so there's there's platonic love of colleagues or team members or friends. Um, you know, the number of colleagues and even clients that I said love you uh, and mean it, and that we both know that it's safe and good and what it means. But uh yeah, I think we need to create some new words and, and language that make it safe and okay and clear, which is important, which is really important. It is. Yeah. Incredibly important. So with all of that, I could, mm-hmm. I could, I could just hold you hostage all day. We can just talk about <laughs> culture and accountability and agreements and, you know, autonomy and, and, and speak up cultures. Um, any, any parting thoughts and I'll give you, I'll give you some guide rails because otherwise that's a very big question. We are still in this place two years later in a, in a, a rough spot. We were talking beforehand about kind of even personally, like where we are with like COVID things and everybody right now, depending on when you're listening, like right now we're, we're back and every, everyone everywhere. Um, it's a thing. And, and it's also cold and flu season. Like everyone's sick and 
as, as leaders, we're trying so hard to keep our teams, and even speaking for myself, keep, keep the team engaged and feeling seen and valued and heard and that it's okay if you can't whatever because of whatever reason. Um, there's so many, there's so much going on personally and professionally. And for leaders who really do care and, yeah. and want to foster that, that speak up culture in the midst of, Yes, but everything that's happening in the world, but also we like we we need to grow and we need to we need to perform. Like yeah, what yeah. what parting words would you have? Um and take all the words that you need for for leaders right now. Sure. Um it's a brilliant question and I have some thoughts. Um because yeah, I mean, like listen, business is not as important as life and death, and yet we want the business to continue. We want the business to thrive. The business gives us meaning. The business affords us uh, a lifestyle for our families. Like we want the business to exist. And so, you know, I, I don't think many of us can be like, eh, like let's let's just not work for a while and everything will be fine. Like that's not a thing. Right. Um, uh, so, so a few things. Um, I mean, one, as I've started this new year, and like I said, I've started, I stopped saying happy new year. I just say new year. It's um, a new year. It's a new year. <laughs> That's a uh, apparently, we are arbitrarily <laughs> turned the calendar again. Um, I've experienced people being a lot more patient. Mm. Um, oftentimes, the people are parents. Oftentimes, the people have had COVID. Mm-hmm. And so they've had some sort of experience where they get it. Yeah. Um, e- if now I had a conversation with my wife earlier today where I, I said that and she's like, well, let's wait and see. Cause this isn't going to disappear in a couple of days. It's going to be, you know, this, there, there are many places in the world that are going through another wave and another peak. And for where I am in Toronto, this is the worst it's been, yeah. um, you know, like meaning hospitals are saying we're at capacity, wow. go somewhere else. Um, ambulance services saying we have no more drivers and paramedics. Good luck. Wow. These are issues, you know, infrastructures that support human beings are breaking. And so my question is how much longer will this sort of patience and passing an olive branch go? Mm -hmm. Um, Now we've also seen because we're 23 months into this thing, I think a lot of the bad actors and bad leaders, people have left them. That's why we've had the great resignation, the great talent shuffle, because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go back to your office. I don't even want to go back into your Zoom room or your Slack channel. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a command and control awful leader. And I know it's not your fault because there's also a 12-year gap between when most managers get their first leadership role and when they get formal training. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um but it's just the mere fact of when you treat people with human decency, they remember. When you don't treat people that way, they also remember and people will vote with their feet. Yeah. So a quick little story. I worked on a team where um, I reported directly into the CEO and we were hiring someone new and I was going to work a lot with this person. So they gave me the benefit of meeting them and, and being part of an, of an interview to get my opinion and make sure that I would want to work with this person. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I later found out in the interview process that this person was um, like significantly pregnant with twins. Been there. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I, as 
uh, and I, you know, I look back and I see, you know, I'm not proud of what I said or the statement, but I said to my CEO, are, are you sure we want to hire this person as they're right about to have twins and we're going to essentially train them for three months and then they're going to be off? Um, and I'm in Canada, so our maternity leaves are are generous, you know, 12 to 18 months, but not all the time. Um, and I said this to our CEO and our CEO very clearly said to me, can you imagine the loyalty this person will have when we take this chance on them when they need it most? Mm-hmm. And I went, okay, worth it. And that person was with the team for seven years and they were fantastic and loyal and hardworking and honest. And so when we take chances on people and we raise a ceiling, they meet it and surpass it. When we give people a ceiling that we, that that is low, they will meet that too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I think that's a big one. And, you know, it's really hard for leaders right now because there's no one who's immune to this thing. And sure, some people who are introverted are thriving in the extra time to read a book, particularly if they don't have young kids around or whatever it is. But like everyone is struggling and um, it is unsustainable for those who are struggling to support those who are struggling forever. Mm -hmm. And leaders themselves need to find some things that enable them to have some self-care, even if it's five minutes a day. Um, Go for a walk, phone a friend, you know, do a mind dummy thing, play, play Mario Kart with friends, like whatever it is, um, watch Adam Grant's, uh, Ted talk on languishing and do something about it. Um, you know, leaders need to protect themselves such that they can better serve and protect those that that are in their span of care. Can't pour from an empty cup. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I'm going to force myself to stop it there. Otherwise I'm just going to keep talking to you. And this will be like a four hour podcast and everyone will, everyone would probably love it because you're great. Oh, well, that's very kind. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Um, There's so much to even just go back and unpack and really think through and and dwell on because um, business is human. Um, my, My coach, Rebecca says that all the time. And it's, it's absolutely true that it's, we are all, we're all people doing this thing together. And the more we remind ourselves of that, the better off we will be, um, not just as businesses, but as humans. Yep. So. And if you, and if you don't treat it that way, you will suck the humanity out of it, which means sure. it will suck. Yeah. For everyone. Yeah. Everyone. Yourself included. Exactly. So, all right. So Shed, where books coming out in fall, um, where else can people find you? Yeah, in fall of 23, fall of 23. Fall of 23, yes. It still feels like 2019. So do that math and watch for the book. But in the meantime, where can people find you and and where do you want to direct everyone? Yeah, today is December 732, 2020. Yes. Um, Something like that. (laughs) Uh, Most active on LinkedIn, as I know you are as well. Mm -hmm. My new website is is in construction um, it'll it'll probably be out in a month. It will be shedinspires.com. So go there every single day until we'll it's live. It. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, it's a it's a broken link now, but soon it won't be. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Most active on 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 LinkedIn. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Shed, and enjoy the rest of uh, December 564. Whatever it is. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. This was a treat. Thanks. So there you have it. Another episode of Casting a Vision. 
check out Shed's work and watch for his book at his website, which is linked in the related resources section of this show on our episode page. And if you like the show, consider sharing a takeaway with a friend. And I would love to know who else you would like to hear on our show as a guest. Thanks so much for watching.